Hey everybody, uh, welcome back. This is a uh, this is kind of a first for crew call because it is a part two. Um, I'm trying not to make each one uh, too long for uploading purposes to YouTube, among other things. And uh, so I'm not sure yet whether I'm going to officially call this crew call 3-2.5 or crew call 3-3, but uh, stay tuned and, and, and find out. But anyway, welcome back to, uh, to Crew Call Tony. I'm here with my friend Tony V. And um, we are talking all things uh, Conrail in related to his railroad career and my modeling area. And Tony's showing us some great, uh, great photos that he has taken from back in the day. And we're talking about some of those, uh, some of those photos. Um, for anybody coming into this cold, there's a first part to this, which you should check out first. It's a prerequisite. So uh, when we last were looking at photos, Tony, I think we were at uh, the engine terminal at Pittston. Oh, uh, yeah. Let me see here. I believe we were. Um, yeah, we we were just moving on to, uh, we were just leaving the yard. Uh, okay. we're, we're starting up the mountain cutoff. Ah, nice. We're going up to Techniglass. So I'll, uh, I'll bring that photo up. And you think we have sand and bauxite, huh? I, I don't remember what that other material is, but I remember seeing it. It was on the ground everywhere, and it kind of looked like it looked like broke, like a dark, broken glass almost. Oh, that was the recycled glass. I think it is probably. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they, they used to get that in. So, um, but so this uh, is a this is a dedicated local just going to Technoglass. Uh yeah, yeah they uh. I'm trying to remember how it went. Uh, there was certain days they went up the mountain and certain days they went to the Kaiser Valley, uh, PJ-10, you know, they, they would do right. their yard work in the morning. And then um, I want to say it was Tuesday and Thursday, they went to the Kaiser Valley. And I think Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, they went up the mountain. Although this day we were just going up to Technoglass. We weren't going all the way up to Crestwood. Well, weren't there some other consignees around just past there, Jenkins? I mean, I think there was the, um, the refrigerated warehouse there and a lumber place. Yeah, at this time in, 19, in 1994, um, the only other customer you would have had besides Technoglass and uh, the Crestwood Industrial Park on the mountain would have been Keir McGee uh, right there in Avoca. Okay. Um, they, they were still active getting... Uh, I think they, get, they got both fresh ties in and then shipped out finished ties out of here. Right, right. So you did that job too? No, I've never, never went in Keir McGee. No, okay. the, uh, the times we rode, we never did that. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so, so yeah, we're exactly where here? We are right behind the Coca-Cola plant in Pittston. Um, the way you see the ground kind of tore up there is from uh, a Canadian Pacific derailment they had here. Uh, a few weeks before hmm. and that that's why you see the ground all tore up okay see uh, the dnh had some pretty spectacular derailments in the early 90s uh they had this one here they had another one on the bridge in whitehaven uh where trailers from uh it was dnh train 558 uh trailers from it ended up in the river there in whitehaven Wow. And then I think they also streamlined them uh, down in Jim Thorpe at Bear Mountain Curve. Um, That's a pretty sharp they, curve there, right? Bear Mountain, yeah. Bear Mountain was the sharpest on the Lehigh Valley main line. I think it was 13 degrees, 13, yep. 14 degrees. 
Um, so yeah, so to, make, is... to make sure I know where where what I'm doing here. So we're past uh, Doria at this point. Oh yeah, yeah, we're past Dupont. We're um, okay. we're going up. We're going up the up the mountain. Uh, we're almost at Oak Street here. Oh okay, okay. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, those are the seven cars we're taking up. And if you zoom in, uh, it's a pretty good mix of different types of cars. Like I said, if you're modeling Technoglass, no two uh, alike. You could pretty much run any kind of covered hopper up there. I mean, well, are some uh, of them two bay? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you could see there's a two bay, uh, like Pullman Standard Conrail covered hoppers, the right. fourth car, and then a three bay Pullman Standard. Uh, then the last car is a Southern three bay. Yeah. And then um, the first three and the sixth car might be might be ACFX two bays or three bays or something. Right. I'm thinking the two bays might be sand and the bigger ones might be the ground glass, the recycled yeah. glass. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Um, and over the years, I mean, I, I've seen all different types of cars go in there. Uh, uh, CP rails, cylindricals, um, BNSF, uh, kind of like what the, in more modern times, like before it shut down, um, I even saw the BNSF like grain, grain type car go in there too. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, pretty much any kind of covered hopper uh, was used going up to Technoglass. Okay. So here we're, pu we're pulling up to Technoglass. Uh, the guys are getting ready to go off, uh, get the switch there. Now, my last trip down there, Tony, uh, I found that neighborhood that you were talking about, the, the new neighborhood under construction. Yeah. And, and we parked in there, and then I kind of scooted across and, and, you know, went up to where they were demolishing the site. And it's just basically like nothing there. However, I did see the kind of interesting uh, yard that you guys have up there. Yeah, that, that yard was built by the Reading and Northern. It, it wasn't there at this time. Um, at this time, uh, it was just uh, the switchback to get up into the plant um, could only hold a Jeep 38 and uh, three covered hoppers. Right. Three smaller <laughs> covered hoppers. Uh, when the Reading and Northern built that yard there, they extended the tail track. So you might have been able to get an engine and five cars on the tail track. It's a pretty steep grade going up in there, too. Yeah, it was very steep. Um, the uh, the crews at the beginning of the day, they jacked the air pressure up going to the brakes, the brake cylinders on the engine. Really? Um, yeah, for two reasons. Uh, they did it for when we were kicking cars in Pittston because uh, during that operation, they were only relying on the engine brakes. Yep, um, so a lot they, of short stops or relatively speaking. Yeah, so they wanted to maximize their, their uh, stopping power. So they cranked the brake, uh, brake cylinder pressure up on the engines. Okay. And then also coming down this hill, they, uh, out of the plant, um, they did it for that too. Uh, and that's for, a split derail I'm looking at, right? Yeah, that's a, I actually almost ran through that split rail. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, there after Technoglass shut down. Um, there was a warehouse in there, and I was bringing loads, loads of wood pulp that were bound for Procter and Gamble down this hill, and uh, and there was in a snowstorm. There was like a foot of snow on the ground, and uh, I made it down the first step of the switchback, no problem, and. Uh, and I, I had a pretty good amount of air out on the cars. And then I came down the next step of the switchback and they just took off on me. And I, I, 
uh, I put it right in an emergency and I stopped about a car before the split rail. Wow. The split rail was against us. So, yep. So we around, but uh, yeah, I had, a, I had a close call there once. <laughs> Yeah. It's it's probably no fun trying to throw the uh, the derail with a foot of snow on the ground. No, no, and, and we it, normally we would have just left it open, but uh, there was a DNH train coming up behind us, so the dispatcher wanted us to clear up in the plant there. Yep, and that's why. And uh, and being the nice guy, I mean, I guess I could have just had the conductor walk all the way down there, but I told, Nah, stay on. I'll take you down there. Right, right. <laughs> So, um, so here we are, we're, we're climbing the switchback with the first three sand cars. And then uh, here we are getting halfway up the switchback. Uh, you can see that the open area to the right, that's where that yard was built that you saw. Okay. Northern built. And then you can see the main tracks down there to the right. So is the ballast pile the uh, end of track device? Yep, that's, that's the end of track device, yep. Uh and wow. uh, with three cars uh you get right up to it with three cars wow and that's how that that's how those steps got bent on that csx gp40 wow they hit a rock or something yeah i, I think they just tried to push up into it a little too far that's not but, even a ballast pile that's just a pile of dirt yeah and and i believe they you know over the years uh, uh, I never saw one personally, but I believe they've even had cars get off the end and go off the end of it um, over over the years. And you can see how much higher it is above the main down there. If you look in the upper right, you can see the main tracks. Yeah, that that's like model railroad type grades. Yeah. So uh, then you reverse and you shove whoa. straight up. Whoa, 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 whoa. This, you never told me you had this. Yeah, well, I, I had to dig around through the files in the past week. This is what I've been looking for forever. I'm not very organized. You know? uh, you're doing just fine, pal. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I had to, to dig, dig around. This is the yeah. only picture I've ever seen of this plant. Mm -hmm. Other than yeah. like, a, I've got a grainy aerial showing the area off to the right there. You know, those weird... Uh, the weird roof line to the right there. Mm -hmm. um, that plant goes, you know, quite a bit far off to the right. But this is um, stunningly spectacular. Yeah. The um, yeah, I'm not, I, I I couldn't tell you what any of those equipment or smokestack were uh, smokestacks were. Um, when I hired on the Reading and Northern uh, Technical Class was still open for a few months, so I actually did service. Uh, glass a few times. And uh, the one thing that really stood out in my mind was there was constantly the sound of broken glass. Um, they made television tubes there. Yeah. Uh, and I guess anything that didn't meet the specifications or had flaws. They broke it be, and melted it. Yeah. So there was constantly, that's one thing I remember, like just constant sound of broken glass. I mean. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, I guess that you know. I guess um, those those two stacks. There must be a little a little furnace, you know, that's melting this the stuff that you're pouring in. Yeah, I, uh, Ronnie's Ronnie would be the guy to talk to. Ronnie's dad uh, worked there and and uh, was one of the last employees out when Technoglass shut down. The thing that's um, confusing to me is that 
I've heard it described that there were two big silos there, which you would assume would be adjacent to the rail car unloading. And well, maybe that's what I'm looking at on the left there, but that's not like not at all what I, what I was picturing. I believe uh, where the where you see tech and glass written out on the building, I believe that's the silo. That's a silo. Yeah, because um, uh, that that building was over the tracks. Actually, um, you see the you see the cross conveyor. Yep. Part of it's got like a little truss bridge under it. Mm -hmm. So that's a covered conveyor. I'm guessing, and then you see there's an elevator leg. Yeah, you, you, you can see the, the big building with Technoglass has an elevator, but also the building oh, yeah. to the right also has an elevator on it. Too. Yep, yep. Jeez, Tony, this is stunning to me. Yeah. So uh, it, it for those seven cars, it took three trips up the switchback to get those seven cars up there. Nice. And then once they were all together, then they shoved them into there all in one shot. Now... Well, there was there were probably empties beyond that you had to pull out first. No, we'll we'll get to that. I'll, okay, uh, I'll show you. There, there's another shot of it. This is gold. <laughs> I can't believe it. I've scoured the ends of the earth for photos like this. I can't believe it. Yeah, this this, this is actually a shot from a a different day. We we rode up to Technoglass two different two different times. Yeah. Um, that's why you see a, an NS covered hopper head out there. Sheesh. Um, if you look under that, um, that uh, conveyor belt though, you could kind of see a pile of, uh, of uh, like a dark material. Right. I think that that's that kind of stuff I was trying to describe to you. I guess the broken glass. Um, but that's what about the color of that material was. Interesting. Makes you wonder why it's down there. Yeah. So once you um, uh, once you shove those cars, no, you were bringing these on me. I'm just floored. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, th these are the empties. See, you, they they shove the cars into. We always called it the batch house. I mean, I, I don't know if they had a different name for it, but you shove the loads into there, and then you went forward, and the empties. Uh, they had a car mover in the plant, so the car mover would always pull these empties down here. Was it like a little trackmobile? Yeah. Yeah. A little, little track mobile. Yep. And uh, so the empties were already set up here and you just had to hook the hoses up or couple them up. They were, this is a sharp curve here and they, they weren't always good with, with uh, coupling the cars when they shoved them down there. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of an adventure gathering empties here. Uh, and especially going in here, you, you see how uh, sharp the curve is. Oh yeah. Uh, but but to make sure to... I understand, um, and if I'm getting ahead of myself, just stop me, but where are these empties in relation to what I saw in like the earlier photos? The switchback is, is, is kind of ahead of us and to the right. It'd be like, uh, it'd be like forward and to the right. That's where the switchback was. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so where we're sitting here, when we gather our empties to go down the switchback, we'd have to pull back and then shove ahead down the hill, down the switchback. I got you. So you could only take so many empties. Yeah, three at a time. Okay. Yeah. And then, and, so let's say you had too many to bring down. So you'd take as many as you could mm -hmm. and you'd shove them down towards the, the derail and then tie them down and then uncouple and go back and get some more? You'd, you'd set them out on the main, tie oh, them on down. On the main, then, okay. Yeah, go get some more. Um, 
And the main and, itself uh, is on a grade there. Yeah, the, the main itself is on a 1.2% grade. So uh, you really wanted to make sure that you secured your cars there. Yep. Uh, uh, but you can see there's a couple different other car types in this uh, in this group of cars. Right, here. I see the cylindrical there. It looks like a two-bay cylindrical. I think those are the XCNJs uh, that Conrail had. Yep, yep. And then um, there's another one of those uh, former Penzi two bays and uh, looks like a former Redding three bay. And uh, mm. yeah, a wide variety. And then um, this was a runaround up here. I, I think the runaround might've been good for seven or eight cars. And then past the runaround was the warehouse where those Missouri Pacific box cars would go. Yep. You and, said those uh, were double mean, doors, right? Yeah, yeah. From from what I remember in the '90s, what what I and you know what I saw, uh, they were Missouri Pacific like sixty foot double doors. Wow. Um, yeah, they were. Yes, because long. picture tubes would be relatively light, so they wanted a bigger car. I I. I think I'm trying to remember um, one of uh, I, I once asked our uh, former traffic uh, representative, Jimmy Rafa, about it. And he told me that uh, it was inbound. It was something inbound on pallets. Uh, they didn't ship out in those box cars. Uh, inbound. Yeah, it was it was something that would come in inbound and uh, like in a big I, car I, like that. Yeah. Yeah. They, so they were not know, shipping. They were not shipping. That wasn't finished goods out in those boxcars. No, and, and really with picture tubes, I don't know if you'd want <laughs> the way these guys were kicking cars in pits, then I don't know if you'd want to ship ship picture tubes out by rail. <laughs> huh. So it wow. Yeah. So so boy, what would be interesting to know is what was in those boxcars, you know? Yeah, I you know, he told me and I don't remember, but he definitely said it was an inbound material on pallets. Uh I, I want to say it might have been like granular. You know, they ship grant those big sacks. I, have you ever um, have you ever seen that in a factory? Uh, um, I, one of my factories. Like I a giant was, bag on a pallet. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yep. Some yeah, kind of chemical. Yeah, possibly. Kind of, okay. Interesting. Yep. But um, when you saw those Missouri Pacific box cars in the train, you knew they were going to Technoglass. Yep. And and I'm sure throughout the years they probably got other types of box cars in there as well. So it probably but, wasn't more than one or two cars at a time, right? No, you could only fit two cars in that warehouse. You could only you could fit three fifty footers just barely, mm -hmm. um, because after Technoglass stopped shipping by rail, that's where um, the Reading and Northern had uh, uh, they were storing wood pulp in there for Procter and Gamble, and um, yeah, we could only ever just barely get three fifty footers in there. He stored them up there, huh? Interesting. Yeah, they, they would we'd spot the boxcars in the warehouse and then um they they would unload the boxcars, store the wood pulp until P and G needed it. And then they'd reload it in a boxcar and take it up to Procter and Oh, Gamble. this is when the building was still there. Gotcha. Yeah. Yep. But hmm. uh, this curve's really tight. Uh we you know we were always taking ST forties and fifties up there. And uh yeah it was a real pain trying to hitch up in this curve. A little bit of squealing yeah, yeah, real, real tight. Yeah. Okay. But the, you know, just trying to get the coupler swung over to, to make the hitch was, could, was a real could challenge. You, would you like hip check it over or did you have to do something else? 
A lot of times we would just butt the couplers together and push them out the other end onto a like a semi straight area. And yep. Then, and a lot of times we could get them aligned. We had the same problems on the layout, so. Yeah. Yeah. So those those are the empties. Um, And then uh, I'll I'll show you some more photos from the other trip. Uh, This is just the end of the day we arrived back back at Pittston. Um, So we rode again in November. That boxcar again. Yeah. Yeah. It's always, there's always a boxcar sitting there. And I looked at photos in the Lehigh Valley days, and even in the Lehigh Valley days, there always seemed to be a boxcar there. So, and you don't, you don't think like, maybe that they were dumping sacks of sand into the sand bin, do you? I really don't know. It's it's honestly, I never I never gave it any thought until you posed the question tonight. Right. It's, okay. It's something we'll have to investigate. Yep. But um, maybe I'll wait on the roof. So go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we, we rode uh, again on uh, Black Friday in 95 and November 95. And, and so the next group of photos will be from that. Um, the uh, power you see sitting there uh, was the road power that came up from Allentown. Um, and then uh, what we were riding on was. Um, the 7886, uh, an old Jeep 38. Um, that's a, while we were shifting, that's a shot looking out at the power, uh, the road power that was sitting there. And that's you can that's see, the uh, P&E bridge there. Yeah, that's the West Pittston branch uh, bridge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the one that um, they stopped using about 83 or 84, somewhere in there. Yep. I said, uh, that's one of the after, converted SD40s to dash two specs, right? Yeah, after the spring of '95, these uh, you pretty much uh, these things were pretty much always on the road trains. These 6900s. Yep. Uh, there's a nice shot of the of the platforms and the pipes. Tony. <laughs> yeah. And the boxcar in the back with the plug door open. With the door open, yeah. And I guess the thing is black with rust. Yeah. Looking at the tower now of the sand tower. This is a great shot. We're gonna have to do a uh, a uh, a Dropbox transfer or something here. This is amazing stuff. Um. So, is that a switch? Uh, I'm not heater? sure. What, is that what the gas uh, is for? Yeah, that's a switch heater there. That this is um this is we call it the OX on the Reading and Northern. Yeah, uh, but this this is the very east end of Pittston, what uh, what's officially called Pittston Junction. Um, this they're, so they're out the of bridge order. right behind you. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we're actually coming down the hill from Technoglass in this photo. So you're uh, on the yeah, cutoff right now. Yep. Okay. And uh, you know it's after '92 because there's only one track on the cutoff. Yes. Uh, that's when they pulled up the other track. Okay. Um, the track in the middle is the uh, is the Kaiser Valley. Uh, they call it the Taylor Secondary in Conrail. Yep. We call it the Trant Branch. Yep. Reading and Northern. And then the track on the left, uh, we always called the Wilkes Fair, but um, I believe in the Lehigh Valley days they called it the UP Leader. Okay. And uh, that was like a lead interchange with the Lackawanna. They had a little yard there. 
Yep. Uh, to interchange between the two roads, but we always called it the Wilkes Barre. And in modern uh, times, that would be the LNS connection, right? Yep. Yep. And when we uh, were interchanging cars with the LNS, that was the track we shoved them up. Mm -hmm. So that's, uh, yeah, that's Pittston Junction. And you can see how empty the yard is there. I mean, that that's, that's Conrail in the late 80s, early 90s, you know, just empty for the most part. Is there, are there more tracks? I mean, are there more, uh, are there more cars down in, in, um, in, in OX? Yeah. Uh, so the two, you see, you can see two cuts of cars down there. Yeah. Uh, one of them would have been for the Delaware Lackawanna. The other one would have been for the Luzerne and Susquehanna. Uh, they both, uh, they both interchanged with Conrail at that location. Um, I'd have to look to see which one was which, uh, but, but, the two roads both came into uh, Pittston Junction to interchange their cars. Uh, usually what they would do um, is Breezy worked at the Delaware Lackawanna for a little while. I know he told me that um, uh, that the Conrail yard master would just tell him to just kick the cars up the track. No handbrakes, nothing. Just kick them and let them go and, 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 and go on your, your merry way. Um, so according to uh, Breezy, that was that was the routine for the DL guys when yep. they were for the cars they brought in for Conrail. Uh, huh. And the same thing when um, uh, I, re I remember, you know, the majority of the switching was done down in the Riverside yard. Right. But once everything was sorted out, they would bring both the LNS and the DL cars up here. And the same thing, the Conrail crews would just kick the LNS cut in the LNS track. And they'd kick the DNL, uh, the DL cut in the DL track, and then that was that. Mm -hmm. um, so this is this is coming into Dupont here. That's Dupont interlocking. Wow. Uh, like I said, uh, well, you you remember when we were there? It's just houses right up against the tracks. There. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I get a kick there because I, I mean the guys. You know, me and Eddie and, and some of the other guys who worked at night a lot, uh, we'd always get a kick because we'd come hammering through here in Notch 8, you know. Uh, most nights we could make 30 mile an hour through here. And, uh, you know, it'd be, depending on what our start time was, 9, 10, 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> and, you know, you, you had some people, the usual waivers, some people would come out and wait. Wow, even at night. Even at night, yeah, you had some people, but but yeah, we, it was a joke amongst ourselves what what each person was doing. You know, we kind of knew who the regulars were. Yeah, uh, there was a cat or two that that you'd see sitting in the window. So I don't know. It was, it was just kind of funny going through there at night, seeing seeing everyone. <laughs> Did you ever get to um, make the DNH connection right up up the the hill? I did. Yeah, right uh, right before I left. Well, I, I did it a few times. Uh, not long after I became an engineer, uh, we had a derailment uh, uh, just north of DuPont, which forced us to uh, detour over the D&H to Taylor, and then um, and then down the Taylor Secondary to Pittston. Yeah. So I did it then, and then um, right before I left, uh, for two weeks we detoured over the D&H using the connection there. And we had uh, we had a Norfolk Southern pilot uh, for every night of that. Right, right. 
Huh. Yeah, I did. And then also the air products, heat exchangers. Um, those were always handed off at the top of the connection. Okay. So you always had to, you always had to go up the connection to grab the thing. And then you'd come down and you'd go up track two, which, um, which now a train going up track two is an everyday occurrence. Sure. Uh, but basically from 1983 to, uh, I forget what year track two was put back in service. It might've been, uh, might've been 2011 or 2012 track two was, uh, upgraded back to 30 mile an hour. So basically for, uh, almost 30 years track two was out of service except for special movements like the air products heat exchangers. And that's, uh, that's the only reason track two was not torn up was those heat exchangers, just because it had it had better clearances at certain locations. Right, right. High value shipment, I'll bet. Yeah. And then uh, the other big change here too was um, uh, the railroad was always uh, signaled in one direction. Uh, track one was your westbound track, mm -hmm. signaled one direction, rule, rule 251. And then track two was your eastbound track uh rule 251 eastbound and uh so you always had to get a form b coming uh coming east to go up right. track one right. and uh you might be able to see it there the pot signal uh there's the oh, pot yeah. signal right there yep and yep. the best you get on that is a restricting so for years anytime you were coming east here you were crawling on a restricting signal and then once you cleared the interlocking, you'd be running on a form D and then you could take off track C. Mm -hmm. So when they rehab track two and they, uh, they rebuilt the interlocking, uh, the Reading and Northern put uh, an equilateral switch down there. So you could go up either track. Hmm. Um, that's when they, they signaled at 261 for either, you could go either direction uh, signaled wise and run track speed. So that mm -hmm. was a nice change when that happened. Interesting. Yeah. Um, this is uh, another shot. This is coming into DuPont, but uh, you could see here coming into DuPont that uh, going west, you'd get a restricting signal coming in there. And that's because um, DuPont was the end of the signal territory. You needed a 4MD to go west of DuPont. Hmm. So naturally, uh, the best signal you could get here if you were going down to Pittston was a restricting signal. This was a really tough place to stop to. They'd hold you I'll here. Bet. Well, there were, uh, it, it was tough because this was essentially the steepest place on the mountain. Uh, between Broad, yeah, Broad Street down to DuPont is uh, the steepest part of the grade. And then uh, is that about two percent there? You think? No, nah, it was maybe one three or one four for that. It's only about a mile. Mm -hmm. But uh, but you felt it when you were running the train. Well, um, really, you can really tell from the cab here. It's like very evident. Yeah, yeah. It, it, this was tough, and you really wanted it uh, at that time. I mean, you had to have your speed in check because you didn't know. Uh, your previous signal would have been an approach. So you didn't know if you were going to have a stop signal sure. or a restriction here. So you always had to come in really looking out and you can only see the signal from about 10 cars away. So you kind of had a narrow margin. So you had to uh, crawl know. up to it basically. Yeah. And if they didn't have a signal pulled up for you, 
it was really tough because um, they didn't have motion uh, sensing crossing gates on it. So if you stopped here, once you started pulling, you really had to crawl up on the, uh, on what they call an island crossing circuit, which is basically like one rail length on either side of the road. Uh, and go trying to do that going downhill with a heavy train, crawl up on that island circuit to get the gates to activate uh, was really challenging. I bet. Yeah. Yeah, with uh, uh, at that time too, I mean, we always had one engine and you might have 40 loads with one engine. You know, 40, 50 loads was not unusual. Be real so, easy uh, to slide through that, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever have you ever come real close? No. Okay. No, no, not here at least. No, this is one place you you always you're always very careful here trying to um avoid that situation, you know. Sure. Uh and then eventually they did put motion detecting uh uh sensors in the crossing and that that just that was just a big relief when they did that because as soon as you started moving no matter where you were at they go down again. Uh, yep. Um, this is a shot. Uh, this is the Riverside Yard. Uh, Following Springs is uh, down where that other cut of cars are. Yep. Uh, that that big cut of cars that's on the main. That those cars are gonna, uh, they're ready to go up to Corning. Um, I'm not sure what we were doing here. I think they kicked that covered hopper farther than they wanted to, and I think we're going down to retrieve it. Um, There's a lot of sand uh, between the rails here. Is that leaking out of the uh, covered hoppers? Yep. Yeah. The, uh, cars, uh, sand cars bound for tech and glass, and also the ones for certainty. Uh, yeah, it, you saw that a lot. Uh, they huh. just, you know, it doesn't. If a car is going to sit there for 24 hours, I mean, even a little, even a little dribble of sand will make a big pile like that. Right, right. It's a good modeling uh, uh, shot there because, you know, you you almost can't have enough of that. Yeah, and um, and. Yeah, any anytime you're hauling sand. I mean, I think what you see with the frac sand with the new cars now, they're still they're only a few years old. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if they leak sand like that like they used to. But right. But um, the cars we used to haul to Certainteed and Technoglass, yeah, they they used to leak a lot of sand. Well, Certainteed would be granules, right? Uh, they got sand. Yeah, they also got sand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Southern uh, Southern two and three bay covered hoppers, uh, Conrail ones. Norfolk Southern, uh, they got a pretty wide variety too. Hmm. Okay, I think that's the last one I have in that set. This is great stuff. You know, it's one thing to look at some pictures that somebody sends you, it's quite another to get the full narration with it. So uh, thank you for doing this. Yeah, I, I'm just trying to see if I have anything else that might be interesting you right? said you had another trip to technoglass i thought you said yeah the, these were um uh some of these were from that i, I just kind of pulled out the most relevant ones yeah uh, so let me let me just look through them here quick and just see if there's anything that would really jump i mean technoglass is like my white whale you know what i mean i I had nothing on that place. And here you are just, there it is, you know, not only, not only is it everything I needed, but it's the, the, the end of the plant that I needed because that's all I'm modeling. 
Yeah, here, I'll, I'll pull this one up just because it's, it's a little bit uh, close up of what we, we always call the batch house. Um, but it's, it's, it's a little bit closer view of it. <laughs> it certainly is. It's incredible. I mean, I can pull the logo right off of there too, which is what you need. Yeah, and and uh, for the two different trips, uh, the engines were facing in different directions, so we couldn't have gotten a shot like this on the first trip because our engine was facing east. Right, right. Wow. And then also too, I remember uh, when they shoved these cars. We only had three cars on this second trip, and uh, we we shoved them in there and. Um, there was a representative from the company who came out and talked to the conductor and everything. They uh, used to keep that car mover inside there. The track split inside the batch house. Um, you went inside and maybe about three or four car lengths and there was a switch and, and it, it branched out to two tracks. I, I, I really can't remember uh, how, how far back it went because I only went in there a handful of times um, as a conductor. But um, did, yeah, did Ron switch this place out too? You said yeah, Ron. Yeah, Ron would probably be able to tell you more. He, you know, he uh, Ron hired out four years before me, so he would have had a lot more opportunities to go in there. Mm -hmm. Plus, his dad worked there, so uh, his dad would have information about how the plant worked too. Just just getting the color of it right is is huge. It's mm -hmm. beige. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and the building stood for years. I mean, it might have only been about four or five years ago that they dynamited that. Hmm. Uh, that, yeah, um, that, um, that tower there looks like poured concrete. I would guess, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely some concrete, you know, construction method. Already and picturing you, you, you how to build it. You can see there's conveyors going in every which direction there, too. That yeah, is amazing. You'll you'll have a field day with that. That's a oh, yeah, that's a, yeah a, cr a craftsman's dream right there. My my biggest my biggest limitation with the site that I have available is it's limited in in space. I can't, you know, I'd need like a mahoopany size spot to um, you know yeah. do it justice. But I'm gonna give it a go. Yeah, and and, and I could um I could kind of draw you out a map of how it was laid out too. Actually, you did. I still have it. Do you? Okay. Yeah, it's it's sketched on. I think it's on part of the a blank spot on the ZTS. Okay. <laughs> that was yeah. probably that second trip. I'm guessing. Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah, because that's what I think we tried going there maybe on the second trip. I I, I don't remember, but I know we. Yeah, we, we drove up to the direction. gate and we couldn't get through. Remember that? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. There's a there's. There's a brand new warehouse here now. Uh, I think it's Ball Canning Corporation. Really? Um, yeah, they just built a giant new uh, factory there now. I mean, uh, it should be going online the next couple of weeks. Hmm. When I when I went up there, it looked like what they were doing was grinding up that entire place, and there were just piles yeah. of it, you know, being recycled. Yeah, they they had to get all that stuff out of the way. Here's the why. Um, yeah, there's the YMCA. That was uh, that was torn down maybe seven or eight years ago. So, something else I don't have room for, but yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of atmosphere at Pittston. And is that uh, building behind the engine the the lube house the the larger? Yep. Yeah. And uh, the seventy eight eighty there um, 
Atlas just made a model of that engine um, in the white stripe scheme there. And I, I was really happy when they did because uh, when it was announced, there was, there was a thread on Facebook. A bunch of modelers were trying to get Atlas to do a different number series. And, uh, and you're thinking, no, 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 7880 <laughs> is good. So, uh, so yeah, I was really thrilled that At Atlas stuck with the, with the number that they, they did. Um, we'll, get into, <laughs> we'll get into some Pocono Northeast stuff later. Later. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Like I said, this stuff's out of array. So this is actually, this is actually when I was a young conductor a few months on the job. Um, that's, that's my engineer, Jimmy Cook. And, uh, we're stopped there at DuPont waiting for a DNH train. Ah, so yeah, like I said, this is just a, that looks a like, a, like a scan of a print. Yeah. Yeah. There was actually a friend of mine riding with me this night and he took the photo, made me a nice eight by 10 of it. Hmm. Um, that's from the November 95 trip. Uh, this is Broad Street. This is Broad Street and Pittston coming downhill. You can't really see it, but the 1740, who was the 1741 signal is uh, right there. Um, the best you got on that, if you were going to Pittston, was an approach because you would either have a stop or a restricting at DuPont. Um, mm -hmm. So if you saw that signal, the, the only other indication you would see on that signal is an approach slow, and that's what the DNH trains would get to go up the connection. Okay. So if you came to Broad Street here and you saw an approach slow pulled up there, you knew that there was a DNH train coming to head up the connection. What does approach slow translate into in terms of actual MPH? Uh, it means that at the next signal, you have to be down to slow speed, which is 15 mile an hour. Because uh, at the next signal, the DNH guys, um, I think think they would get a slow clear there uh at the end there I, it's, it's changed over the years i don't remember i think at the time they would have got a slow approach or a slow clear there okay at, at dupont um another shot of technoglass this is the, we're, we're coming up the switchback and these are the empties. That's the empty track there. Okay. As we're, as we're coming up the switchback. Um, this is the 1711 signal at, uh, that's route 81. Um, like I said, this was, this signal was torn down when they made it uh, 261 signaled in both direction. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's when they tore the 1711 signal down. Uh, this is at o coming in Oak Street in Pittston. Uh, the crews always joked that I guess they had a lot of close calls with the Coca-Cola trucks there. <laughs> Coca-Cola modeling plant was at the bottom of the hill by the D&H tracks. And uh, they joked that, um, that well, you know, this is how they, they get their Coca-Cola by hitting Coca-Cola trucks. I don't know if they actually hit one in the past, but apparently it was a common thing. Wow. Uh, at the time, Oak Street only had flashers. Uh, too. So, you know, I guess you had a lot of people running, running the gates there. Oh, there wow. was no and that's the refrigerated warehouse on the left, right? Yep. Yeah. You can see the tracks in there. Yep. I don't know. I don't know when they stopped getting rail service, but in the early nineties, I, I think it was already done. 
And also um, about uh, maybe 30 car lengths behind the engine was 84 lumber, mm -hmm. which probably in the time you model was a customer, but in the early nineties, uh, you know, the switch had been pulled up already. Right. Which. Uh, well, I also saw that there was some other lumber place that they would spot a load for it on the same track as this refrigerated warehouse uh, track, but just farther up towards the turnout. Okay. I don't yeah. remember the name of that one, but I, I think that's something we're going to do. But, um, that would kind of make sense because it was a very long track. Uh, right. Like yeah. So I, I didn't know that, but, but it makes sense that there would be one there. And that was probably something Mike Bednar told me. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, that's that's uh that's as a gp10 that's, right before that oops yeah that's a tony I, I, v <laughs> we lost control yeah. of the presentation uh yeah cause stuff's just jumbled again so i could show you more like pittston stuff uh or i could show you pocono northeast stuff i mean what do you want to talk about let's do some pocono northeast because that's something that i think is a, a lot less is known about and you know, we can shift gears a little bit here and uh, I have a feeling I'm going to learn something. Okay. Although that was a nice overhead shot of that, uh, of that GP10. <laughs> well, that, that was that Enola. That, that, uh, we, we could go back to that in a little bit, <laughs> but uh, we'll start with some Pocono Northeast stuff. Um, so for, the, for those who don't know, uh, Pocono Northeast was, was uh, created in 1982 to take over I think it was at first 50 some miles of uh, Conrail trackage in the Wyoming Valley. And then a year or two later, they got another 40 some miles. So in total, at the, the height of its operation, it was about 95 miles of trackage the Pocono Northeast operated. You're not going to tell me this was 1751. This, this is 1751 in Wilkes-Barre when they first got it. Wow. Yep. That's and, incredible. Uh, if you go in it, to this day, if you go in it, it still has the Penzi 7242 on the uh, on the door inside the cab to go down in the nose. Still, the, the guys have preserved that marking in there. Um, but this is it when it first arrived on the property. Um, is that your shot? It's my dad's shot. Yeah. I, I, was, I was too young at this point. Yep. Uh, yes, my dad's shot. This was a slide I bought off the internet. This is wow. uh, the 601, uh, which was Conrail 8408, and um, it was a CNJ SW1 originally. Um, this has to be the uh, right when they got it. Originally, they were they were operating out of Pittston, I believe, like right by the Roundhouse there. I think that's where they were keeping their engines. And then for a while, it was down in Wilkes-Barre. Uh, but this is this is what it looked like when they first got it. What is the little power with the ladder on the left-hand side there? I'm, I'm not 100% sure. I really don't know. I've never seen that in a picture before. Yeah. Uh, it might be a relic from the oil tank. That would be right around where the oil tank was. Okay. So perhaps it's a, it had something to do with the oil tank. Yeah. Nice lettering job, actually. Yeah. So... Uh, <laughs> with the <a> clown <laughs> yes so, some of these some of these are are internet grabs uh, yep. this, uh this gentleman charles booker posted this on the on facebook a few weeks ago hmm. and uh 
and, and it, I, I just love the optimism behind it, the balloons. And I guess they thought they'd bring in a clown. <laughs> uh, you know, when you grow up, like growing up in the Wyoming Valley, it's, uh, I, I always talk to Ed and Ronnie about this, how decay just seemed like such a natural fact of life, you know, just old decrepit mine equipment everywhere. And, and this goes throughout the whole coal region. Sure. Uh, you just grew up seeing the stuff everywhere, everywhere you went, old, old, uh, you know, uh, front end loaders and old dump trucks abandoned, you know, just, just abandoned everywhere. And, you know, the old coal breakers and, uh, and then you'd have something like this, which started out with such great optimism, but in the end, it was notable. Quickly, pretty quickly turned into uh you know it decayed pretty quick just like a lot of other things in the coal region right um so yeah I, I really got a kick out of this photo um one of the guys who uh me and my dad were friends with who used to hang out at the local hobby shop he eventually moved away and got a job on the wisconsin central uh but the late bobby chipka hired out on the pocono northeast very early and uh, he told us he might have actually designed the paint scheme. I don't, I don't remember if he designed it or not. It's a nice scheme. Us, it is. It, I, I always I always liked it growing up. And um, he always told us that the colors were just John Deere green and yellow. That I guess the owners told him to just pick out colors. So he went down to the to the heavy equipment store and <laughs> John Green uh, or John Deere uh, green and yellow. So that's hmm. what they used to paint it. Um, this is another one I grabbed off the internet, uh, freshly I painted. I don't have that one. What a shot. Yep. Where do you think this is? Wilkes-Barre. Yeah, downtown Wilkes-Barre, mm -hmm. uh, right behind the old CNJ station. Um, they seem to keep power a lot there in the early days. Mm -hmm. um, this Jeep 9 got around a lot, though. Uh, there's photos of it up in Binghamton. Right. Uh, I know Binghamton? Was, Just I having know, work done, you think? I don't know. It might have been leased to Guilford at the time. Um, Jeez. Because I know it was leased to Steamtown for a while. And then it also uh, it also worked down in Delano for a while. Uh, I don't think Pocono Northeast operated the Delano operation. I think it, they just leased the engine. Uh, so yeah, this engine got around a little bit, you know, it, it it's not hard to find photos of it on Steamtown excursions, and it's not hard to find photos of it on Guilford either, up in Binghamton. Like I said, I don't know if it was being used or, like you said, maybe it was having work done, but um, I've seen quite a few photos of it up there. Hmm. Photos of it down in Delano are rare, though, uh, but in a rail pace from 1985, there is a photo of it at M&H Junction. It went down to Delano under its own power. Uh, they had a Conrail pilot on it, and uh, they stopped to uh, take a photo at M&H Junction before they reversed up the Ashmore Secondary to Hazleton. And then from Hazleton, it, it worked its way down to Delano. Hmm. And uh, Paul Rice, there's a gentleman by the name of Paul Rice who grew up in the Hazleton area. He also worked for the Pocono Northeast, uh, and he... I have notes somewhere that, that he wrote for me, uh, but I think it was about a year or two that this thing worked down in Delano. Hmm. And then it eventually it came back. Do you know what years those were? 
think the late 80s, but I'd honestly have to double check. Okay. Um, and then, Is of course, Dunmore. Yeah, an eerie Dunmore caboose. I think they had two cabooses. I think they had this one and one that wasn't painted, and they both burned. <laughs> well, from what I from what I understand, the one that they got from Conrail was uh, in the uh, MOW gray. Yeah. And I thought I saw that that burned before they could even paint it. <laughs> yeah. And then I guess they yeah, got yeah. another one. If you, I'm gonna let I'm gonna let the cat out of the bag here, all right? If you ever hear anyone say that the cabooses were set on fire by disgruntled Pennsylvania Railroad former Pennsylvania Railroad employees, don't believe it. It's just a little, it's just a little story me and Ronnie have going. Uh, <laughs> they don't know who actually set them on fire, but that's we that's a little joke that we have going. Okay, that, okay. The scrumpled PRR employees set it on fire. It's probably some just just some delinquents. Yeah, yeah, that, that's actually much more believable. Um, here's another shot of it. I don't know where it is. I think it's on uh, the former DL and W Bloom, maybe in Swearsville or uh, Forty Fort. Um, the guy on the left is. Uh, King, Craig King. Um, he ended up on the Delaware Lackawanna and retired from the Delaware Lackawanna. Uh, this is an SW900? SW9, yeah. I don't remember the lineage of it, but it was sold pretty early to uh, Coors Brewing. Right. It went out to Colorado. Well, I thought that the Jeep replaced this. They decided they needed some something with more balls. I'd have to do some research, but I think I think they were both on the property at the same time. Okay. Um, so yeah, that, that's Craig King on the left and uh, Bobby Chipka on the right, which uh, he, he was a friend of ours and passed away a few years ago. Um, and this was a slide I got off eBay. Hmm. Um, another shot of the 901. Now it has a spark restaurant on it. Didn't in the last photo. This is in downtown Wilkesbury because you could see uh, you could see one of the passenger cars behind it from the station hotel that used to be in Wilkesbury. Well, what's the caboose I see behind it, Tony? Was that a static display or something? That was yeah, that was a static display for uh, it was a DNH wooden caboose. Okay. Uh, on display, part of the uh, station hotel complex. From everything I've heard, it was a very popular hotel. Like people traveled to come to it. There was a, around that same time in the early '80s, uh, there was also a Playboy Club in downtown Wilkes-Barre, in the what? former C yeah, in the former CNJ station. Really? So, believe it or not, yeah, it was a pretty happening area there with the station hotel, which which people raved about, and then this Playboy Club that was <laughs> Wilkes-Barre too. Jeez, I thought that was only in big cities. Yeah, no, Wilkes-Barre had one. Hmm. Uh, there's another shot. You can see the caboose, uh, the South Street Bridge in the background. All gone. All gone, yeah. this And, and this was just nothing but railroad tracks at one time. Uh, the Lehigh Valley Union, uh, it was a Union Railroad Station, Wilkes-Barre Union, uh, would have been off to the right, and that was served by the Lehigh Valley, the DNH, and the Penzi. And then to the left was the CNJ station, which still stands to this day, but uh, was pretty well trashed 
uh, currently. And then you also had uh, uh, freight houses in this general area. And then uh, the Lehigh Valley had a piggyback ramp here too. Right. Uh, here's the 601. This is, this is one of uh, from Ed Philbin's collection. I scanned. Um, this is the 601 work in Malazzo Salt. Uh, Where is this, Tony? Uh, this area is called Port Blanchard. Um, I, I think technically it might be part of Pittston or Jenkins Township. Uh, but uh, it's the village of Port Blanchard. We didn't get so, this far down, did we? We did. Yeah, we went by it. We, we didn't see this view. You could only see from the road. You could only see the front view of the building. And there's all trees here now along the tracks. Hmm. So this would, uh, this is basically if you follow the Lehigh Valley main down to Wilkes Fair, this is about uh, four, four miles east of Pittston on the Wilkes Fair main. Is Malazzo still there doing business? Yeah. Yeah. They still get, uh, they still get uh, rail cars of salt. Jeez. Yeah. They make, they make the, uh, the quick Joe brand of, of sidewalk de-icer. Okay. Okay. Yep. And I imagine the uh, the coal hoppers for carbon technologies. I would, I yeah, that's probably a reasonable guess. Yeah. And and do you know who the box guy would have gone to down there? That might be going there too. Uh, oh, you know, bag stuff, bag coal. Yeah. But honestly, I mean, it's it's a, a reasonable guess. But um, at this time, early in the Pocono Northeast. Uh, era. I mean, there there was a lot of rail traffic. Uh, they had a lot of customers. Yeah. So I mean, uh, I mean, it's possible that that boxcar could also be going to Wicks Lumber. Uh, could be going to somewhere in the Hanover Industrial Park. Um, so, yeah. Do you know the uh, year on this one? I, I don't know. Uh, but, but the paint job is pretty fresh on that SW one. Yeah, I, I, it would have to be 83 or 84. Right. Hmm. Well, for a short time in, I think it was 83 or, eight, or 84, uh, there was a local fellow by the name of Mike Kelly who owned a passenger car. And, uh, and he started running these little excursions with his passenger car and uh, the Pocono Northeast engine. And I want to say it went on for maybe a, a couple months and it was very short lived. Yeah. Uh, but this is a shot of it. Can you go the, back to that last photo for a sec, please? Yep. So <laughs> on the, on this end of the engine, the air hose is to the right of the coupler. Now go back to the other one. And here it's on the left. Yeah, that, that's pretty common on switchers because, Is it? Um, yeah, on, it's it's very common because uh, it, the simple expla explanation is uh, no matter which end the brakeman is on, he's always within sight of the engineer when he's turning the air in. Oh, okay. So, you know, he'd be giving hand signals to couple up and then he, he's he's right there. He doesn't have to cross over to the other side. Gotcha. Yeah, that's pretty common. Okay. Uh, here's another shot. This is one my dad took. I don't. I don't know who took that last shot, but this is one my dad took, and uh, that's our that's our friend Bobby Chipka there. Uh, this is 
the river road crossing in Plains. And uh, it, it's so coal region, that massive mound of, uh, of coal there, of right. waste coal in the background. Uh, that's since been reclaimed. That's now just a field now. Uh, but yeah, for that, that just goes along with what I said about the decay everywhere. You, you know, you're just driving down the road and there's giant coal. And you didn't think anything of it. I mean, I never questioned it as a kid, you know, it's just right. They're everywhere. So natural. <laughs> uh, this is, I think this is in Kingston. Uh, this is the 901. This is a photo I pulled off the internet. Not sure who took it. Uh, but I believe this is in Kingston on the Bloom. They had a few customers, uh, Mid-State Lumber, and uh, I believe there was a newsprint, a company got newsprint down there too. Um, so I believe that's where this is taken. Here's another shot, downtown Wilkes-Barre. Wow. Uh, this is, uh, I bought yeah, a couple. The of NW2 there. Yeah, the 87, yep, yep. Um, this is looking west towards Pittston. Uh, you can see all the coaches for the hotel. Uh, the 601 is looking pretty rough there. Uh, you can tell, uh, I would say this is probably late 80s, 87, 88. Hmm. Um, here's a cool photo. This is uh, there's the burned photo. caboose. There's the burned caboose. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, nothing but decay in the Wyoming Valley. <laughs> yes. Banned and burned out caboose. And it sat there for a long time. I mean, I remember, you know, we drive by and I always remember looking over, seeing it. What a shame. But look at all the traffic. I mean, there's a but See, that supports my, my story that it burned before they could even paint it. Yeah. And, and it's off the end of the track there, too. I don't know. They might have robbed trucks out from under it. Who knows? Uh, but yes, yeah, unusual tank cars there too. Look at the size of that that uh, manway there. Yeah, yeah, and I I really don't have a clue where those would be going. Um, I think the there's two green box cars. Is that uh, I'm trying to remember the name of that short line? Is Seattle, Seattle North Coast? Yeah, so it's got to be lumber. Got to be lumber. Maybe going to Wicks Lumber, uh, or I, I guess it could be going down to Mid State Lumber too in Edwardsville. Uh, there's a southern, like kind of uh, clay-covered hopper down there. Yep. Um, I've seen them in a in a bunch of Pocono Northeast photos, and I think they were for Celotex and Harding. Uh, those southern covered hoppers. And I see a reefer down the end. Yep. And uh, but those tank cars are really cool. Yeah, I, I I really don't have a clue where those would be going. And the reason I believe that Southern car is going to Harding is uh, I used to work at the Celtex plant there and uh, clay was one of the things they used to get trucked in there. Like, like a, like a starchy clay mm -hmm. material for the ceiling tiles they'd make. So that's why I believe ah, okay. going there. Interesting. And uh, for whatever reason, they're setting those two uh, tank cars out. We might be able to see what the chemical is in. Let me. I might be able to zoom in on the placard. Eighteen thirty-two, so sulfuric acid. So uh, yeah, I don't know who would who would be getting sulfuric acid. I, Where do you see the eighteen thirty-two on the the placard? Oh, okay. I'm looking in the wrong spot. Gotcha. Well, I could also make out the sulfuric acid on the side of the tank. Right. Part there. 
right blurry but but it's definitely it huh very interesting so yeah that's something to ponder who would have got sulfuric acid this main street that's main street that's the entrance to the current reading and northern pittston office yep Oh, there's your 87. I just finished modeling that. I, I personally never saw the 87 or um, the Montour 77 run. Really? Of them running, but I, I personally never saw them run. And then uh, they also had boxcars too. And this is, this oh, is one. Wow. I've, I've seen them painted new, but uh, this is obviously late in the game. Yeah, very, very basic markings. Hmm. Ex-Conrail, I'm guessing. I, I would guess, yeah, I couldn't tell you. Uh, you'd have to look at an old ORER and yeah, you might be able to see how many of them they had. I, you know, I, I don't think it was more than maybe 10 or 15, but- No, I have an article and, and uh, that, that talks about it and-, and um, they were saying that they, they decided pretty quickly that they were getting killed by fees from other railroads um, on, on um, you know, nickel and dime car repairs. Yeah. <laughs> quickly concluded it wasn't in their best interest to own their own cars. Yeah. Well, they, they probably didn't buy uh, the best quality ones either. I mean, you know, so many other short lines got into the boxcar market with brand new Berwick 50 foot box cars, you know, and here they had these, uh, you know, obviously used from wherever. Price was right. Price was right. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, flash forward, you know, years later, this is uh, 2009. Uh, the 1751 continued working for the LNS and is still on the LNS, but it stayed in that, in that Pocono Northeast paint scheme. Up until I don't know, maybe 2011, it got repainted. This this is um, an engine that just won't die. <laughs> well, it, it's been out of service for some time now. I forget what, but but I'm told R.J. Corman's going to sink a lot of money in it, so it should be up and running soon. But they're uh, I'm also, I also heard they're going to chop the nose on it too. So, wow. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 been through a lot. This engine. Ah. <laughs> uh, and also, if you go on my YouTube channel, my dad rode this engine on a Steamtown excursion. So you could uh, you could see what a cab ride in this thing would have been like going up the Pocono line in Notch 8. Jeez, I thought I'd seen everything on your YouTube channel, but do you keep adding to it periodically? Not as often as I should. It's, it's probably been a few months since I added to it. It might have been longer to. than that since I've been to your channel, though. Yeah. Huh. It's a. Uh, if you watch that video, it's great for Jeep Nine sound. Like if you just love hearing Jeep Nines wide open. That's uh, kind of what I grew up on, switching in New Bedford Yard. You know, New Haven GP Nines. Mm -hmm. And there it is at Durier Junction, headed up the uh, Dunmore running track. And uh, it'll. Uh, the plastic cars that it has are bound for Letica, up in uh, Suskin. So that's where they're headed. Then the 601, 
601 didn't fare so so well. This is it, about 2011, I believe. I mean, it by this point in 2011, it had been uh, out of service for years. I mean, you know, maybe 10 or 15 years, maybe 20 years at this point had been out of service. Well, this is RMDI here, right? Yeah. Uh, when the Luzerne and Susquehanna took over the Pocono Northeast operations, I don't believe they ever used this engine. Mm-hmm. I, I think it always sat dead. So it ended up at RMDI and, you know, uh, they robbed parts from it here and there as they needed. And then in 2011, pretty sure it was 2011, it was finally scrapped and put out of its misery. Uh, ah. While while we're on the subject of short lines, there's Columbia. a few of the yeah the shippers' life. TMSL. Yep, TMSL. Uh, we uh, me and Eddie Philbin happened to be up there one day, and we stumbled on them just by luck. So uh, we followed them a little bit, got some shots. Uh, this is them uh, taking a load of feed down to um, Monroe. I remember the Monroe, and yeah, uh, the name of the feed mill there still open the feed mill's still open they just get everything by truck and there's still a covered hopper stranded. i saw that yes i guess it just got abandoned in place yeah. i i actually i they they use it as like a mobile storage silo really? uh, they move it around with a truck if they have to yeah huh this is coming through downtown tawanda wow yep i've been to this spot i've never seen it you know with an engine running through it this is great yep so that's, uh, that's all I have for short line, the Pocono Northeast stuff. Yeah, no, I mean, I think we, I think we did well. I, um, and, and I, this supports my contention that Tony V is an inexhaustible supply of interesting information. Um, I think, I think after, after, after two days with you down there, I needed to just go home and digest for two days just to kind of like let it all try to sink in. And then you realize, yeah, how much of that am I going to remember? You know, yeah. that's mean, why I, when I was talking with uh, Jim Kilcullen there at the at the slideshow, I don't know if you noticed, I had a steno pad and I took notes, and I still refer to that thing because he hasn't forgotten a thing apparently. Jim is a great source for information, and he, he's very generous with it, and um, and yeah, he, I mean his his knowledge is sharp. Oh yeah. Um, and where I'm lacking, I mean, he it's actually old knowledge. Lived, See, that's, that's the thing. It. He actually saw a lot of it and lived it. Yeah. Right. Right. That was another great uh, introduction you made for me. Um, you know, something tells me that we may need to do this again because I think we've just scratched the surface with you, my friend, but um, if you would be kind enough to uh, send some of those photos my way, I would be, once again, in your debt. <laughs> yeah, I could do that. Yep. This is why I've told Tony V when, when we're together, it's impossible for him to pay for food. I will feed this young man all day if that's what it takes. <laughs> and I, I usually just ask for pizza or wings. I mean, <laughs> well, you're a cheap date. There's no question about that. Um, I thought I would just uh, really quickly talk about ransom a little bit. Um, because uh, you know anybody watching the the podcast group uh, photos that I've been posting knows that it's it's well underway. There's the whole saga of the ransom uh, building itself, and 
all those structures are, are complete now. And as of, as, of, uh, as of today, put the second coat of paving on some of the roads. And you had been talking about uh, the sign there. Remember the, the high-speed train sign? Um, there's two grade crossings at Ransom, are there not? Yep. It was at the um, north one? Yeah, Did you ever warning, find the picture? Uh, no, I never never found the photo. Uh, if I do, I'll, I'll send it to you. But um, yeah, it said warning: uh, trains move at high speed. Yeah, yeah something along those lines. You may stumble they, upon they, it someday. Yeah, they 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 did move through there. I'm I'm really close on Ransom. You know, th this was a, a spot on the layout that's been an eyesore forever, forever, and just putting up the backdrop. And getting the building in place, it's like, wow, what a, what a difference. So I'm highly motivated to just see it through to completion. I think this weekend I'll be doing, I'll be doing ground cover and then ballasting uh, in that area. So and you, um, really, uh, you really captured the feel of it. I mean, it really, it really looks just like the real thing. I mean, well, you know, the signal, you know, the, the pipe bridge and, and, and all of that, it's just, it's a signature scene, you know, and uh, of course, I only have room to do like, you know, 20% of, of the whole thing. So it's all about selective compression on everything that we do. You saw my Mahimuhupani Peninsula. That's a pretty big area devoted to one, to one uh, but it's probably, what do you think? 10, 15% of the real one, if that? Not even, I mean, yeah, that place is so big, that plant. Right. My Pittston Yard is 22 feet long but I probably would have needed my entire basement to, to model it to scale. I'm gonna, boy, the whole plant, yeah, it might be a mile, mile and a half long, the whole, right. the whole Fox and Gamble plant. Yeah. Right, so like I say, it's all about selective compression and the the photos that you showed me of, of Technoglass is just, now, I get, now I'm gonna go, as soon as I'm done with this, I'm gonna go down there and look at that spot and go, hmm, <laughs> what can I do here? If you know, if I need to do something, but you know, when you send me the photos, I'll 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 really take a serious look at it. It's probably my summer project. Next thing I'm going to do once I complete ransom is operate again. You know, I want to just kind of clean up all the stuff that's everywhere from a big construction binge because I did Taylor Yard and I did Pittston Yard, and it's time to put the scenic materials away once I do finish ransom and just run some trains. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'll be you know, I'll run after this. See, Bransom's right in the middle of the main line, so you can't be running trains when you're working on it. You know what I mean? But once I do that, I think everything else that I need to do, I'll probably continue to run trains during the process of everything else. So I was thinking my next project was going to be to get tracks into the uh, Kaiser Valley Industrial Park, but I don't know. The Technoglass thing is really. I don't know, really put the hook in me there when I saw those. So I might have to flip a coin. You gotta have some comb banks on there somewhere. Are you gonna are you gonna model a comb bank anywhere? Absolutely. I've got some already. Yeah. I'm in and, fact and, I'm using the uh, the run P recipe for it. And uh, you gotta have some abandoned equipment too, an abandoned uh Well abandoned now see that I hadn't I hadn't thought about. So I gotta think about that now. I've got to take some I mean, I've got a junkyard I have to model in Durier. So, you know, uh, I've got a whole bag of model cars that I need to mess up really badly. But I don't think I'll be working on that junkyard until, I don't know, next fall, next winter. 
but that'll kind of cement that scene going down into Pittston Junction, you know. Plenty of interesting stuff to do. Sure. Tony, thank you very much for all your all your work and all your help over the years. It's been much appreciated, and I hope people find it as interesting as I have. Well, thank you. Yeah, I've, I've been enjoying uh, the progress on the layout, and uh, you're modeling my favorite piece of railroad. So, uh, so seeing what you do means a lot uh, to me too. Well, hopefully, that. hopefully another point when you finally get up here for some wedding or some family thing again, we can uh, can show you some project, some yeah. progress. That'd be great. All right, Tony. Thanks again. Uh -huh. Have a great night.